the window had been busted out and our gear, part of our gear had been stolen. Uh, there's nowhere to play up here at all. I'm sitting there kind of by myself, like waiting for my marriage. And, and the mirrors, like they, the mirrors kind of like spin open like 90 degrees, like they kind of rotate open. And all these women in sexy lingerie can come walking out from behind the mirrors. I'm just well, going to throw this out there that it almost sounded like you were kind of the dark side sometimes of the scene. Just when I parted ways with monuments and so it was a really, really desperate time of my life. At the end of it, our bass player told us, like, he just looked at us and was like, yeah, this is my last show. So, like, basically back to the beast era. Dealing with this alcohol intake and we're at a Christian festival and we're supposed to be a Christian band. I was kind of like, man, this, this sucks. This is not a good look. Welcome back to Dark Side of the Scene. I'm your host, Brandon, alongside... I forget your name now. I guess I'm Ed. Okay. As far as, far as I know. Okay. I, I, I wasn't sure because I didn't know if you had pills or not to combat yourself. Oh, no, not yet. And that's I, I a wish. problem. That's a yeah. problem. Someone needs to help with that. They need uh, boner pills and, like, how to burn fat pills, like those old stackers. <laughs> <laughs> the old yellow jacket stackers. I don't know why. I feel like n- nobody really died from heart attacks. It just worked so damn good that it was like. <laughs> they outlawed like, them. They outlawed them, like all the gym memberships and Planet Fitness is getting pissed off. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah. Quick, a quick little story about a uh, some of those staggers. I took them when I worked third shift, and uh, my buddies like always took them, so I took one. I had to go buy sleeping pills because I'd been awake for like forty something hours. Oh shit! And I was like, and I was jittery. I was like, I need. I went over to fucking Kroger's and bought sleeping pills just so I could sleep. And I was like, this shit is terrible. I I imagine like if you're on tour. Those would be very handy, or not. I don't know. It gave uh, me the jitters. I never took them again. Uh, I lost a lot of weight on them, but that's here and there. People Actually, lose a lot of weight on meth too, but that's again here or there. <laughs> well, at least your body doesn't deteriorate. You still actually eat. But anyway, <laughs> I uh, I had a a kind of a rant. I don't know if it's a rant. It's more like. Like, you know, when you're looking for band members and shit, and nine times out of the ten, if you try to, like, hit up a person that, like, hasn't really played or doesn't, if they don't stay active, I don't really think, like, you should have your hopes up to get them out of the retirement. Like, I feel like most musicians, if they're serious enough, they stay active. I mean, they might play, but, like, I feel like in my experience trying to like hey remember hey i remember you were in that band you played more he's like no you want to be in a band and they'll think about it and then they're like no <laughs> like and i guess that's kind of strange i think it happens a lot that most inactive musicians will not play unless basically they they coax themselves to and usually they post like hey i'm fine looking for a band versus other people hitting them up I'm like hey Remember, you used to play guitar. You want to play guitar now? I don't know. It, it's kind of like disheartening heartening that 
people kind of quit that in that way. Maybe they're just happy like jamming at home, but I don't know. Had that experience recently. Hmm. I think, and I've mentioned this before, I've played with people that they would only go get gear when they were in a band. And as soon as the band wasn't together, they'd sell all the gear. It's like the only time they ever wanted to ever play music is when they were in a band. Mm. I don't understand that. Hmm. I mean, some just still have the gear. They just don't really like play in a band anymore. I mean, I don't know. I feel like I don't I I don't think I could do that like quit for good. You know what I mean? I'm always like playing something. I know people have full like band setups. They have literally everything anyone could want and yet they no one plays with them and they don't play anything. They just do their own stuff but nothing ever amounts with it. I was like you have all this gear. You've collected gear over the years. Like I actually know several people like that. But it's like it's you have all this stuff and a lot of it never gets touched. I'm no better. I just bought this PA system last summer and it's been collecting dust since then. It still has all the tags on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like, well, that's. But you'd want you were trying to pursue things, yeah, actively versus you know not doing anything. And then somebody goes, "Hey, you want to start a band? I knew you used to be in a band, and it's different. Like active pursuing versus like people in retirement mode." I, I don't know. I don't know if that's much of a rant, but I noticed that like you just can't coax somebody who's not been playing for a while to suddenly want to get the band together. <laughs> if that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. Well, yeah. we've got someone that's in the wings waiting so we can uh, bring them on in. But before we do, if you've ever have anything you want to talk about stuff that we talk about on here you think you have some stories you'd like to share send an email to brandon at dark side of the scene.com and we will get you scheduled so hang tight we will bring <laughs> dustin on in and i'm sure we'll have some pretty good discussions <laughs> like to take this time to welcome dustin to the show dustin thanks for coming out and talking to ed and i hello glad to be here how do you say your last name bojangles uh, that's very close, actually. It's bulges. Okay. Holy shit, I was way off. <laughs> Man, it'd be a lot cooler if it was Bojangles. Yes, it would be. With some delicious food. Anyway. So, h- how long have you been playing, Dustin? Um, well, uh, drums I've played the longest. And uh, I started playing drums in 1992. Whew. Probably before both of you were born. I don't like no. <laughs> you, you had to think about it. Think about it. <laughs> no, I was born in '84, and Ed was born in the '70s. '79. Oh, all right. So, oh, well, I'm 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 in uh, good company then, I guess. <laughs> Ancient company. Yes. Yes, I was born in the '70s myself. Uh, cool. So. No. Uh, uh, oh yeah. So okay. <laughs> so I guess we were supposed to do the math on that. Yeah. '92. Right. Um, I don't know. So like, what? Thirty years. Nice. 30, 31 years 32, nice. 31 years yeah what's your uh what's your band called um well my recent band uh the band that i'm currently in is called flesher nice uh yeah and it's a newer thing we've only been a band about eight months hmm. so it's a first sorry. time i met you you were in the miracus yeah, that was, that was years ago. I think I was like in 06. 
Yeah, that's uh, yeah. When there's since been a resurrection and then a demise of the band again since, since then. So, damn. So, so like, um, basically, how many off off the top? How many bands have you been in? Oh, oh, God. <laughs> um, somewhere between like fifteen to twenty, probably. Nice. So you obviously have a lot of interesting stories since all those incarnations of bands. Um, (laughs) I guess it depends on what kind of stories you want to hear. Uh, Okay. Well, he not only has been in bands, but he's been in bigger bands that have toured. And he also owns his own bar slash venue. Well, I don't, I don't own, you don't, but I might as well because I basically live there. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Um, uh, and then I do run a production company, which books a lot of shows at the venue. Yeah. Nice. But he's got his uh, fingers in a lot of things that he dabbles around with. Uh, so certainly do. He's got plenty of things that he can talk about. <laughs> Absolutely. Sweet. So I guess like, I guess we'll start with the horror story. So like from your earliest memory, like what are things you remember like in your band careers? <laughs> um, well, yeah, I, you know, because I mean, everybody starts at the bottom. So, um, it's not, and it's been a lot of years. I've smoked a lot of weed. So, you know, the, <laughs> so, some of the memories are patchy, but sure. um, the ones that just come right off my head, uh, like some of the more gross ones. Um, I was one of the, like, the band that I first started touring with is a, like a grind, like, hardcore band called The Dream is Dead. Uh, we were playing a show in, boston and uh we were staying at this just like really gross punk like basically squat house <laughs> and i just uh we were sleeping on the floor obviously because there's nowhere to sleep and uh i woke up to not only like several cockroaches just milling about in the room right next to me but a giant, which appeared at the time it may i may be exaggerating at this point now but appeared to be about a foot long uh, sewer rat just crawling like literally right next to my head <laughs> that was weird and disgusting bit, as fuck a little bit um so yeah that um uh i don't know man i mean so, you know some are like things that i may I, maybe we shouldn't talk about because maybe some <laughs> things are better left unsaid i got you uh, um but yeah, that one comes across you know that one always sticks in my brain because it's it, it just scared the shit out of me being that close to a giant sewer rat and all these guys. Like, I hate bugs. And yeah, so it was like kind of a nightmare. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, another horror story when I was on tour with skeleton, Witch, and this is not really horrific. It was just very disappointing hmm. um, that we, you know, I'd never played in Italy before and was so excited because I hmm. love Italian food. Yes. And we, the we get to the you know because when you tour in europe typically nine times out of ten you get very well taken care of and uh you know the hospitality is great but this show in particular the i don't know if the promoter thought maybe it was like well they're american so we need to do something american for them Mm -hmm. so so he made us in these just giant tupperware bowls there was spaghetti noodles with cut up hot dogs and ketchup gross (laughs) and so we're like 
wait what <laughs> do they even have hot dogs I, I didn't think italy actually served hot dogs i don't know why i mean because they got such exotic tastes and food there right That's well funny. apparently you can get them somewhere and apparently they think that americans want americanized <laughs> spaghetti they well, look at us and they look oh they want this nasty shit so yeah uh that's sad because i was just telling brandon like every time i go to a gas station i have to get a fucking hot dog so yeah i'm pretty american damn it (laughs) oh i I, don't get me wrong i love hot dogs right but not when i finally you know i've spent my entire life waiting to go to italy and here i am for the first time and then like i've just got i've built it up in my head for x amount of years that it's like gonna be sick as fuck and it was indeed unsick as fuck but that's probably just our experience that happens a lot i found like i feel like like a lot of uh european promoters they think like they'll bring you like budweiser and shit you're like no i don't want budweiser i want like good german beer right yeah and so you know it's like i feel like that that happens a lot because of the you know the cultural differences and whatnot and what a lot of people just think america is at all times and oh boy hope they don't make you listen to kid rock either (laughs) <laughs> Listen to Kid Rock and they serve you a Budweiser with a can of bullets. <laughs> yeah, right. How, basically. How, how long were you in Skeleton Witch? I seen them one time, but they didn't have you as a drummer. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, they were well, they're in I mean, as far as I know, they're still an existing band, but um right. they uh they yeah, they were a band for a really long time. I joined the band in 2011 and was there until 2018. Oh, I I'm trying to remember when it because they came up here or well they played in south end and they had a tony playing for them right that was right before i joined oh no they, sure. okay. they had him filling in that was on the that was the tour with three inches of blood correct i think so i think so yeah, yeah so that yeah that was literally like literally they had called me during that tour because you know tony for one reason or another wasn't going to be able to like commit and they needed yeah. somebody to do the record because uh, they had had studio time books, whatnot, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, actually, while they were on that tour, they had reached out to me about doing the record. And where where, where are you from? Like I'm from Indianapolis. Oh, born and raised then? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Been here all my life. Wow. So, like, as a drummer, and we, we, we hold drummers and bassists in high praise here because a lot of you, there's shortage. There's a lot of shortage of both yeah teams. it's why we all play in like multiple bands all and the time. is that is that the case for you now still like or just one band um kind of i mean i've kind of whittled it down because as i get older you know i can't take on as much and i also have you know the, the production company and the shows and all and, and and the venue and all that stuff so like i can only dedicate so much time mm. so what made you dive into the production and the booking uh honestly it kind of just like it fell in my lap i like i can't i was you know i was working or i was i was well i was working but i was playing for skeleton witch working Mm. constantly with that band because i've been toured like crazy Mm. um and then we were going into a little bit of a break it was time to write the record uh another record and uh the black circle at the time it was just a little like just a brewery that's it it was going to be this like little chill brewery in this like little cool little area Mm. and uh they um I just stopped by as they were like getting ready to open and was like, just, just needed a job, just something to, you know, make a little money while I wasn't touring and got the job. 
And then, you know, Jesse, the owner, Jesse Rice, the owner, he um, he built a little stage in there and kind of wanted to just have, you know, because he loves live music. He plays himself and blah, blah, blah. He, uh, you know, wanted to do a little something with it. And he basically like just I kind of fell into booking shows there and didn't really do it on a crazy big level. Uh, just, you know, because we weren't, it, we were just, we, we were a tiny place. We were like a hundred mm-hmm. capacity. It was mostly a brewery, yeah. but it kind of, as I, I ended up, you know, I parted ways with Skeleton Witch and I started like the, the venue itself started getting it, get a bit more clout and getting on the radar of like booking agents and whatnot and other promoters. So it's, yeah, cause Indianapolis is just a tough market. Like these little, these smaller venues don't last very long here. Like yeah. they, uh, unfortunately, and um, we won had just closed. And so there was a, you know, these people like these promoters and whatnot in town were like, well, we, we need a spot. Um, so I started working with a local promoter who was doing stuff. Things were going well, things were growing. We started expanding on the venue a bit. Uh, and then he um, he got out of the game, unfortunately, over some like very fucked up shit. But we don't need to go into that. Anyhow, it all that all fell into my lap. And so then at that point, I then inherited all these connections to booking agents and whatnot. And because I'd worked with some of these agents in the past with my time in Skeleton, which it just kind of was a seamless transition. And then really, it just kind of spiraled from there. And we within a matter of a couple of years, Black Circle, like grew way too fast for us <laughs> huh. um, but we're keeping up and we're ki- you know we're kicking ass but it was just like whoa okay holy shit this is a real thing that's like huh. gonna happen and there's a potential to really grow the market here because indianapolis was kind of in a weird lull and a lot of you know a lot of people a lot of tours were skipping indianapolis because it for a while which we called the dark times it was really bad and like mm. there was just a lot of shady people doing shit and fucking bands over and this and that and uh yeah so i don't know i mean in a nutshell to answer your question it's like it all kind of fell in my lap and just grew really fast to where i had to kind of just shift and create the production company and just go from there sounds like you were at the right place at the right time and you must absolutely be a, you must be a likable person that all these people will have that much faith in you to like bring these bands there yeah i mean you know i have i just i have a you know i've just been in the game a long time i've toured a lot Mm. i know both sides of the fence so it kind of you know it's it's good i think it's good people trust me because they know well this dude's done it this you know he's not just some fucking snake in the grass and right i find it i kind of find it funny that you guys took a chance to have metal most breweries they kind of look like they'd be metal but then that's not like really their client oh trust me the bane (laughs) of my existence is the nine thousand emails i get a month of just singer songwriters wanting to play a black circle because that's what breweries do typically right and we we have since evolved so much we're not we don't even like we dropped the name brewery from our name like we're just we just want to be a music venue now we've just we've uh, just expanded to the point where we don't have to rely on the beer side of things do you guys make beer there or it's just like we do? Beer? Yeah. Okay. And then we've okay. recently, as of the last year, we started distilling as well, which mm. is a huge game changer because not everybody wants to drink beer. And so now we have like house made spirits. Dude. And so <laughs> those have helped the presence of the show, you know, bringing more people in and also people getting way more fucked up. Yeah, that's true. I've never, I've actually never been there. I mean, I see it all the time and um, someday we'll play there. Depends. On where, uh, where are you at? We're, 
it's up in Indiana area. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. So you probably know like the Wraith guys then, yeah? Uh that's I feel like they're from Michigan. Oh, uh, well, yeah, I know they're from like northwest Indiana. Mm, maybe not. Uh, where are you close? You're cl- what are you are you in like um where we're by the Fort Wayne no- Notre Dame area. Everybody oh, knows okay. Notre Dame. Yeah, up there. Notre Lame. I see. Yeah, I said it. <laughs> oh yeah, because is that like um, what, what, there's a city up there that starts with an H that gets a lot of shows. Hobart. Uh, oh yeah, Hobart is kind of like about an hour and a half from me. Okay, yeah, I see a lot of tours going through there. Well, not a ton, but from time to time, I'm really yeah. surprised. Like fucking, you know, like Morbid Angel and shit. Like, oh yeah, like yeah, I saw that. But um, yeah, we used to have a cool, decent venue up here, but and then. It just kind of fell apart, so it's like we're kind of struggling metal wise up here, which is that's what happens. I mean, happens. these yeah. small cities, you know. I mean, like I said earlier, it's like it's really tough to like survive mm-hmm. at that kind of mid level, and you know, the more kind of uh, catering more to the underground stuff, it's like you got to get the fucking bodies in the building, and it's tough to do. That well, that brings me a, a another question about like how a lot of metal tours skip Indiana, like. Not all of them, but a lot of them will. And it's yeah. just oh, like, yeah. what? What is it about that? I mean, now that you now that you're kind of basically you're in the, mean, kind of an industry, what is it about that? I mean, I mean, honestly, it's like there's a couple things. Sure. The main thing I think is because of our location, we are so close to other so many other major markets that it's just easy to get looked over. Mm-hmm. Um, beyond that. Uh, really i mean honestly i like when i say like the dark times dude there was this period of like it was probably about early 2000s until about 2015 where shit was bad in indianapolis and like we had a bad rap and mm. people just didn't want to fuck with us wow is it is it because of what you said all these shady ass promoters yeah just just yeah just pe- the wrong people getting involved and not knowing, you know, because everybody wants to be a show promoter. It's easy. It's cool. You look cool to your friends. You're bringing all these bands around. It's like, well, you also got to pay for them. Yep. So that's why you make the, the, that's why they make all the bands make up all the money for it because they don't have a dime to this themselves. So that's what happened to that venue in Kokomo, that center stage, too. Everyone, they weren't paying the bands that were. Yeah, it happens. Door. Like, and uh, so, yeah, it's, it's uh, that, you know, beyond just, like I said, just being so close to so many major markets, that's just for the for metal in particular. Uh, you know, we just really had a bad rap for a while. And, um, I, you know, I feel I feel good in the sense that I've kind of helped clean that up, that mess up. And, you know, it's more things are starting to come here. People are starting to take interest again. And uh, now I just need bigger venues that aren't corporate venues to work with, because that's, you know, that's a big thing is like. Indianapolis is there's not a lot of venues under that. Like I need like a 500 or a thousand cap venue. And most of the ones here in the city are, are like corporate brand and I can't compete with them, you know? Yep. Uh, I need, you know, I need, and so that is another thing that like, you know, that we've certainly uh, as, as a business black circle and stranger attractions, the production company uh, as we expand, you know, we certainly are always kind of on the lookout for a potential room that we could could get a hold of but it's just slim pickings here in the city hmm. so you're you're the stranger attractions then yes yeah okay i've seen that name okay now i thought it was somebody else sorry huh nice oh no that yeah it's uh yeah that's 
that's my, my dog and pony show. <laughs> wow. That's cool. Like that, that you guys are still doing that. Like it hasn't like slowed down. Sounds like, like most places would just go belly up, but you guys have something good going down there. For sure. well, yeah. And you know, I mean, I, I have to chalk up a lot of it to uh, just the owner of black circle. Like he just believes in what I want to do mm. and he backs me hard. And he, you know, and he is constantly taking what we, you know, what we profit and putting it back into the venue to constantly make the venue a better venue and make it a spot that is appealing to these bigger artists, uh, you know, or even these mid-level artists that like just kind of turn their nose to Indianapolis because they're used to just playing a fucking shithole like the Emerson Theater or some bullshit. And, uh, and yeah, so it's it's nice to... It's nice to, you know, to see or to have that backing and have somebody who like is supportive and just basically was like, here, I'm giving you this canvas, do what you want to do with it. Yeah. Is he a metalhead himself? He is to a certain degree. He, you know, he doesn't delve as, as, as deeply as I do, but, um, but yeah, he likes heavier music. That's cool because most people that own breweries, I feel don't like metal that much. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not yeah, saying I know he, every uh, owner, but yeah. Yeah, he's you know, he's like he's he got into it originally because he just loves brewing beer. And then it just like, you know, and but he also, you know, is like he likes live music and wanted to just mm -hmm. have a cool little spot where like the small bands could play, and then he just kinda if he gave me the the ropes and I turned it into a monster. Man, I that's the that's the job, man. I, I need to just start making beer and then open up a place too. But like I noticed a lot of breweries around here, there's a lot of them, but they will not allow our music, which you think would make sense. But yeah, it's I mean, not. <laughs> yeah, because you know, typically, I mean, you're you're absolutely right. Like it's uh, like our our kind is typically not welcome into those scenes very often. So. It's like it's funny because like this might sound funny, but like the stigma that everybody's got tattoos now, it's like they must be metal. No, they're not. They're just <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you know what? Some of the shittiest people I deal with are the fucking yuppies that come down for our 90s cover band nights and shit like that. Like, <laughs> I have a fucking house full of tattooed freaks in there, and everybody's cool, everybody spends money, everybody respects the staff, everybody respects the venue, and, yeah, you get these fucking, these, these uppity-yuppity motherfuckers come down for these, like, 90s cover bands, and they treat everybody like shit, they don't fucking tip, like, mm. yeah, it's crazy. Well, that... Uh, that shouldn't surprise me. They're probably listening. No, they're, I doubt they're listening. Who cares? They're not listening to this. <laughs> if they are, then maybe they'll learn something. I hope they right. are. They need to learn that they are assholes. <laughs> <laughs> I figured out what, what you might look like. What's the, there's a grandpa from a cartoon. He's like smashing. What cartoon is that? Is it Hey Arnold? Does that sound right? I have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. Never mind. I'm, I'm, get, I'm thinking the grandpa from Hey Arnold. I don't know why. Taking a piss, so I'm sorry if it picks up on you. That's head. awesome. <laughs> first, first piss. First piss. Or maybe maybe everyone else pisses and they don't still tell us. <laughs> That's funny. Like he must have his like his a uh, computer in the, the bathroom. <laughs> no, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm on my phone. Oh, nice. It sounds yeah, pretty I good. Do, for I a do phone. as much of my I hate that I'm such a slave to it, but I do as much work as I possibly Well, you can have to be. I mean, it's either that or your phone or your camera or a computer. Yeah. So are you ever when's the last time you've toured? Um, you know, I still will go out 
a little bit here and there. Like I did a small tour with Flesher uh, mm. earlier in the winter, this mm. last winter. Yeah. Um, we've got another tour in the works, and you know, I'll I'll dip my toe in from time to time, but I'm fucking. I'm old now, man. Like, right. It's not as easy to cram into a band for fucking weeks and weeks at right. a time. And then like, you have this, you're at your stranger track traction kind of, so you do that from the road then and people bother. Yeah. You if, your... if I'm gone, I can, I, you know, I can fortunately do that from the road. And then when I'm here, I also just bartend at black circle. And like mm. I said, I spend so much time there. It's insane. You kind of, again, you kind of have, I'd say you kind of have it made because you got, you could do everything, leave and you still have your job. So it is like, very nice to be in the position yeah, that I am because yeah, yeah. I, I the the touring side of me will always exist as yeah. long as I am able to play drums or do whatever it is I do mm-hmm. uh, because it's just a part been a part of me for so long it's like I'll never be able to fully let go of it. Mm, makes sense. So um, I'm going to get into the the bad times. So during the Beast era when the whole like lockdown happened, like how did that affect you <laughs> and your livelihood? Uh, well, uh, other than completely sweeping the rug out from months and months and months and months of hard work, oh. uh, um, we actually like ended up, man, it was pretty wild. We, um, again, this, this brings me back to Jesse Rice, our owner. He, he's just like, he was a, he helped us pivot to a point where, you know, just right up. We only shut down as a business for three weeks. We reopened and we started just doing carry out. Then from there we started doing, we are started offering this, like these like kitschy, like versions of delivery where you could get like a drag queen to deliver your beer or (laughs) a comedian. Cause we do comedy shows and we do drag shows. And then uh, we also do, I host this horror night under this character, dead ed. We don't really do it too much anymore because there's not really time for it at the venue, but blah, long story short, we would offer these like you could order these deliveries with these characters that would come along <laughs> with your delivery. So it was just like something entertaining when people are just hummed up and locked up at their house and like going crazy. So that really took off. And then from there, we pivoted to we built an outdoor stage. And so we just started doing things on a super low local level. And, you know, it was this big open beer garden area so people could spread out. People didn't have to be on top of one another, blah, blah, blah. You know, mask rules and all that stuff to make sure that everybody's playing nice and doing what they need to do. And we just survived like that for the entire dark time. (laughs) Like we We just managed to make it work. And then coming out of that, we got, you know, we were very fortunate to get in on some of the grants and the help from the government. So with that money, then once we were ready to roll, going back into like, all right, full production, we're doing, you know, bands are touring again, it's on. We were able to sink most of that money into just like amping up the venue and making it as sick as fucking possible. And like the sound in there is insane it's like mm. the best sounding club in the city by far man that's that's a crazy story so Just, it's like a it's a yeah it's a great i enjoy when people ask me about it because you know it's not every story was like a sad story we we and, and it sucks a lot of people went down a lot of our homies went down but mm-hmm. we were we were able to to keep it afloat and just do the things that we had to do we were embraced by the community and we got through it and came out the other side just totally kicking ass i feel like by the 
sound your voice you're a workaholic so you weren't about let's let this thing beat your ass basically exactly yeah i am that's all i know that's all i do i work all the time endlessly (laughs) i'm i'm always doing a bazillion things that was right before lockdown that was the last place that i played was black circle you'd booked us with uh beneath the massacre oh yeah that that show always comes up because that was one of the last shows yeah that we played that was the last we had before everything went to shit yeah uh, I think yeah, lockdown was like two or three days later. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. That show will always like remain in my brain because of that. Like, uh, yeah, that was a cool show. Brandon this is your fault. You son of a bitch. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it's my fault. It's always my fault. <laughs> I think the gears were in motion way before the beneath the masker show. Yeah. Yeah. That uh, was a great show. It had a great turnout. We- it was Canada that fucking brought it here. <laughs> They brought it down with them, the bastards. Now we're gonna this turn. We're gonna turn this podcast into like a conspiracy theory thing, and I probably do not want to do that. <laughs> but yeah, 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 yeah we we were we uh death. we were very fortunate to to survive and come out ahead, and are still doing pretty damn good. It sounds like it. So basically, like, what's the? It's like, let's say if a band wants to hit you up. What what do you look for? Are you just like, I mean. What is your oh, criteria? God, What's your criteria? <laughs> I mean, like in a small in a small general, you don't have to like. Well, I, I only say the oh god in the huff and the puff because, dude, mm-hmm. I get like mm-hmm. an upwards of 150 to 200 emails a week. Damn, from people inquiring to try to play our venue because you know, post the dark times, like everybody want if you, people are hurting, people are want to get back, bands want to get back out. But mm-hmm. also, there's nine million more bands that exist now. Yeah, because uh, because I think a bunch of them formed during the time when no one was able to play live. Uh, so it's it, so it's yeah. That said, um, I mean we have you know we have a booking email stream try that we try to streamline as much as humanly possible. But I mean I'm, I'll be quite honest. There's hundreds and hundreds of people that have probably emailed me that I just get so buried. I probably have never even responded to them and it sucks, but I'm a, you know, I'm a one man operation and you know, I, I just, I do what I can do to keep up, but as, but to further delve into your actual question, um, you know, I mean, I know where we lie. I know what, what our strengths are as a venue in the city. Cause you know, in a city like Indianapolis, everybody kind of has their lane. And for the most part, everybody just kind of stays in it. And so I know that, you know, we're going to, we, our shows, most, the, most of our shows that do well are the, are, you know, the more like mid-level and underground metal shows, some punk shows. And um, so that's kind of where I lie. So I specifically look for that, for those things coming in. And at this point, it's like, I have enough of a good working relationship with booking agents that I typically don't, it, it's very rare that I need to like, find just just take a random show and book it because i have a night that needs filled mm. um, and it's you know i i, I it's, it's, there's so many people bands they're probably gonna like or there's people that are probably gonna listen to this and just be screaming at their fucking stereo because they're like all we wanted because i just see it i say everybody you know i deal with it all the time people want to play the venue because it's a sick fucking venue yeah. and i understand that your band really wants to play here. Trust me, I'm trying to cater to everyone. But uh, yeah, we just have to be very selective about what we do because we can't just book everyone. If we could, right. we would. 
Yeah. Well, that's good to know that, you know, what you're looking for as far as criteria. And, you know, it's the shit out of luck if they're not going to be able to get into it because they're busy. So, yeah. And, you know, I try to always steer people into other because there are other venues that cater more to what people do here in town and i try as much as i can to steer that because you know we're all in this game together if you're not work, if you're not working on a corporate level like fucking live nation then you're all in this like we're all in this together we may be doing different shit but like we're all struggling to survive against the fucking mega giant that controls everything i, I wish they'd go to hell fuck live nation <laughs> yeah it's uh yeah. the fucking fees and shit like come on it's uh, yeah, I mean it's absolutely absurd, and you know it's like I do some, I do like Live Nation actually reaches out to me from time to time to help like push ticket sales and stuff like that, right. and uh, you know it's like I it it's uh, they are an evil empire. Let's not get wrong, right? But uh, you know it's also like I hope nobody from Live Nation hears this, but it's nice to be put in a position <laughs> a position to where. It's kind. Of, I've kind of been put in a Robin Hood position as to where I'm like, well, they're paying me like decent money to just do some ticket giveaways and some social media stuff. I'll mm. take that money sure. because I can then turn around and put it into things that I do, which is, you know, bringing like underground artists and and focusing on independent artistry and not mega corporate artistry. Right. No Taylor Swift or play there. Damn it. Yeah. Yeah. Probably not. Probably. So. I, I guess I'll, some, sure, I was going to ask some. You've been in bands that have been like signed to Metal Blade and mm-hmm. some other stuff. How was your experiences dealing with labels? It's not a whole lot of topics we've actually had a chance to talk with anyone about. So I wanted to ask this before you start running yeah. out of time. Um, you know, I mean, it's it has its ups and it has its downs. You know, it's like it's great to be on a cool label, but it's also a slippery slope because you can get in a little too deep financially with a bigger label. And you can also, you know, the, it's like in the, in the modern music world, it's, I mean, there's so much competition and it's like, yeah, it looks cool on paper being on a major label, but a lot of times it does, it can hurt your band in the sense of like you be, you are now a small fish in a big sea where, it, and so it gets hot, you know, it becomes that much harder to get help from the label. And if you're going to get help from the label, cause you're a newer and uh, you know, you're a newer band that's just trying to get your fucking, get your momentum going. Like you're borrowing money and you're digging yourself deeper into debt. And you know, it's like, so it's a slippery slope. It's cool. And you know, I met a lot of really fucking great people in the industry, working with metal blade, working with uh, prosthetic, um, but yeah, it's man, it's just it's a tough road to home. <laughs> I don't really know how you, just being just being in a band. Like, take my advice, don't ever do it because it's tough <laughs> as fuck. It's overrated. That's what I say. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, I mean, it's got to be a labor of love. You know, it's, yeah. it's what it is. Like, you got to love what you do and not worry too much about making money because you're probably not going to. Mm-hmm. Um. Mm. We've talked to a few people and these newer labels are charging them to get on their label. Is that yeah. something you've ever dealt with? Uh, I mean, I, I've never dealt with it on that sort of level. I've dealt with it on a buy on for a tour sort of scenario. Yeah. Um, but yeah, never on that sort of level. Uh, just because it, 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 you know, any more like 
I would rather with anything I do and I'm trying to put a record out, I'd much rather just work with people I know and people I trust and, you know, just take it as it comes. Uh, because I personally would like never do that, but I, you know, I, at the same token, I can understand why labels are doing it. Cause there's no fucking money in the industry anymore. It's gone. Hmm. And so everybody's just struggling to survive somehow because there's also a billion fucking fish in the sea now, you know, it's like everybody's runs a label. Everybody is in a band every, you know, it's, it's, it, it's honestly, I'm like, I'm just waiting for it to all just somehow self implode. And then we're just like mindless humans who just don't listen to music anymore because it's all been destroyed. Your thought, it, it's, uh, almost, you know. it's almost coming. The AI overlords are. going to Yeah. I mean, yeah. So I'm just like, but yeah, um, you know, like, so I guess, yeah, it, I've had good experiences and bad experiences being on labels. Um, but that being said, like I met a lot of really great people along the way and wouldn't trade any of those experiences for anything. So yeah, that reminds me. So like when you went on tour, did you meet anybody pretty cool? Like that you never thought you would? Uh, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm, you know, got to hang out with like Kerry King and Jeff Hanneman multiple oh, times. Oh, nice. Um, that was amazing. Got to meet Dave Lombardo, which is a huge fucking influence of mine. Got to oh, hang yeah. out with multiple times with Paul Mazurkowicz from Cannibal Corpse, another huge influence of mine. Mm. Um, so yeah, and then like this was a weird. This goes back to just weird road stories. That same sure. band, The Dream Is Dead, that I um, I was in. We, you know, it was way more just like underground DIY in fucking basement shows and shit. Well, we got we started working with this agent and we got this weird opportunity to open go out on a real tour that was being booked with like you know in a real in real clubs and the band was so it was right when lamb of god was like first starting to blow up hmm. and randy their singer had another band called halo of locust it was like a band that he'd had kind of on and off just throughout the years well, they decided they wanted to do a tour and we got the opportunity to open up. And because Randy at the point at where he was at with his career, you know, he'd, they'd been out on some big tours and he had, he, you know, he'd made some good connections. So we play in Des Moines, Iowa, and we are just like, after the show, Randy comes up and he's just like, Hey, um, Sid from, uh, or no, I'm sorry, Paul from Slipknot is just going to let us stay at his house. Like, he's not even home, but he's just going to let you stay. He's going <laughs> to let us all crash there. Mm. So we fucking caravan and all our vans out to fucking uh, Paul. God rest his soul. He's dead now. And, and yeah. I was I'm very thankful that he opened up his house to us. Um, he, uh, we, we pull up to this place. It's like, I mean, it's not a giant house but it's a fucking sick house oh basically and the we're just a bunch money. of scumbags yeah. so we <laughs> go inside and like his girlfriend meets us there lets us in we just make ourselves a home it's a giant kitchen there's all this food it's all this shit and he's just like do whatever you want we're like there's like grammys on the wall and we're like putting <laughs> his, like masks on and shit and like <laughs> taking photos in like this was the time of like flip phones so really poorly quality photos on cell phones and uh and yes, that was just another really wild, random uh, experience that I had early on touring of like just staying at the 
the bass player from Slim Knot's house, even though he wasn't there, and we just like made ourselves at home. Nice. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty. It was, yeah. it was pretty. It was pretty cool experience. And especially being like, you know, I mean, at that point I was young. I was like 20, I don't know. I was like 24 probably. And oh. like, it, this was the first band I'd ever toured with. And up until this point, we just played like shitty, like, you know, punk houses and fucking basements and DIY spots. And so all of a sudden we're like, playing. we're not only playing real clubs, we're like on tour with this dude who's now a rock star because Lamb of God was big at that point. I mean, mm. you know, it was when they were first starting to pop off, but they were a big band. And so, you know, people are coming to the shows because nobody gave a fuck about any of the bands. They just gave a fuck that Randy was there. Uh, <laughs> but we're playing but we're playing in front of people and, you know, we're getting hospitality and all this shit. And then next thing you know, we're sleeping at the fucking dudes from Slipknot's house. That's awesome. <laughs> nice. So, yeah, that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Where I don't even know where we were going with that and how I even <laughs> ended up there. But. Well, just like random stories on the tours, like good ones. Yeah. I don't you know. Cause I'm sure there's a lot of bad ones that everybody probably experienced as well. Like, unless you, have, unless you have some crazy ones, like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I honestly, like I, I just would, ha- I would have to just sit and think and ponder for a minute because <laughs> there's so, there's so many of them that I've probably just forgotten about and oh, take okay. a minute to, to reel them back. Uh, but yeah, yeah, let's just keep moving. Yeah. I'm trying to think of some of them. What do you got, Brandon? You got because I know you're short on time, Dustin. Both well, both of you are. So trying to, yeah, I could pro- I, you know I probably got another ten ten-ish minutes. Yes, looks like it. The only thing I could think about was, uh, like, how did you get involved, like with Skeleton Witch? Because I've known Skeleton Witch. I don't know them, but like I'm doing their music and everything. How did that all come about? Yeah, that uh, that's a good question. Um, so. Demiricus, we did a tour with them, uh, and this would have been in two thousand not nine, I think, eight or nine. Um, we did a tour with them and just like buddied up with them and got tight. And so, you know, shortly after that, Demiricus kind of fell apart for a bit before it had regrouped. And uh, seeing it just kept in touch with the guys They, you know, they were just, they're from Ohio. So they're just one state over. And, you know, if they would ever come through, obviously it'd be at the shows or like, you know, just, just kept in touch and over the years. And then it just ended up like uh, Chad or Chad, that was his nickname, Mullet Chad, uh, Derek, the drummer, uh, their original drummer, you know, he just, he stepped down. They ended up getting Tony Loriano for a fill-in, but Tony wasn't going to be a permanent solution. And they just, yeah, they were just like, you were like the first dude we thought of. We reached out. And at that point, it was just a, it wasn't even a position other than we need somebody to track the record. So can you do that? And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Send me the shit. I learned the shit. And then like, you know, about a month I went out, I rehearsed all the material with them and then got in a van and we drove to Los Angeles and recorded the record. Damn. And then just, like after that, they were just all like stoked on my performance and we're like, well, we got this tour coming up. You want to do it? And so weirdly enough, my uh, my third show. Yeah, we played like a warm up show in Athens, Ohio. We played a warm up show here in Indianapolis. And then my third show with uh of which was fucking Vakken Open Air in Germany. And <laughs> so like not nervous at all. Yeah. What was uh, that like? 
I've I've seen it was well, I've seen videos. Crazy dude, like yeah. un, unreal. It's I mean it's eighty thousand people. It's fucking nuts. Like I we didn't play in front of eighty thousand people, but it's eighty thousand metalheads all everywhere in the you know in this fucking giant fairground. And uh, you know we played like early in the day, and uh, and still played to this giant tent that holds like ten thousand people, and. Hmm. Yeah, the lineup was crazy that year it was like motorhead it was judas priest and it was my it was actually my first time ever seeing judas priest was there and that's like one of my favorite bands nice uh and so uh so yeah it was fucking crazy it was so like, like in the yeah so like basically like the i was gonna say the uh, backstage area you didn't run into other people there too like was it was it that easy or you just kind of keep you in the corner uh, yeah i mean it was that easy but you gotta play mm. it cool you know what i mean right like, you, you don't want to play it cool. Trust me. And every once in a while, I'd be in a situation where I'm like, I've just got to take advantage of this. Hmm. Uh, and it was like, and that was in fucking Czech Republic in Prague. There's this really sick uh, fest there called Brutal Assault. Mm-hmm. There he is. Awesome. It's on this old, like, abandoned, like, military base, and it's fucking rad. <laughs> well, I see Mickey D, another oh, huge drumming influence oh, of mine. Uh, I see him sitting in catering. He's just got like two massive plates of food. And I'm just like, fuck it. Like, just go. Yeah. At this point, we played early in the day. I was a little fucked up. And like, <laughs> so I just plopped down next to him with my plate of food. And yeah, he was cool. I chatted with him for a few minutes. He was getting like, he, another thing that amazed me is like, the dude was pounding like big, heavy European food and then getting ready to go play on stage with Motorhead like right after that. Mm. And he- so, yeah, sat down, plopped, you know, just chatted with him for, for a couple minutes uh got to meet him and then that was it that was it and then you know i watched his watch their set later that night uh from the side of stage and it's just you know you get it was just all like man skeleton which definitely there was, it was a great band it was a great band to be in great experience nothing but love for those dudes hmm. but man it what a great opportunity just to be like i just got to witness so much awesome shit that I never thought I would get to see, like mm. watching Motorhead from the side of a fucking stage in Prague. Yeah. Well, it also pays off that you aren't a fucking flake and that you actually do the homework. And, you know, like you, you jumped into that gig, like head first. You, you knew. What oh, you yeah. Were I, yeah. I mean, I was, you know, Demericus had like kind of hitting some rough patches and I wasn't, I was working at fucking Panera Bread, dude, like hating my life. And, Damn. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, cut all my hair off and shit. I was trying to be like a fucking normie, and uh, <laughs> and then yeah, fucking skeleton witch came knocking. I'm just like, thank God, so please take me away from all this. Is your hair and, short now? I just can't. I'm still trying to picture what you look like, but I, I no, just, it's I, it's long again. I've had okay. it's been long again since I. I, I, I like, think you I look like a pirate. The second I joined skeleton witch, I'm like, yep, hair's coming back, and I haven't cut it since. So uh, I figured I kind of think you look like a pirate. I'm, again, I can't really. <laughs> well, that's face. crazy because I do have a wooden leg. Do you really? <laughs> no, no. I was gonna say that's a that's kind of hard to do on drums. So <laughs> no, but I, I don't have a wooden leg, but I do have a hook for a hand. Oh, that'll work too. You can hit the cymbals better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I see, don't need again, like I see, don't like, need a stick on my lead hand. I, I mean, for the, the ride, I, I can freak that ride. Thing. There you go. And like for the audience, you know, like oh, we know your shit. As, as a drummer like you never know what kind of opportunities we'll have, have absolutely you if you're a yeah. fucking drummer 
100%. Yeah. And, you know, and that's, that was what landed me that gig was like, I just didn't fuck around. I learned the shit. I did my job. And, you know, that, that being in that band was more of a job. I mean, I'm not, you know, it was like they hired me to do a, a thing they wanted me to do. And it just worked out to where I did it for fucking almost eight years. And if I'm, if I'm also correct, Tony Loreno, like, isn't he like a, a tour manager too? He, he's a, well, he, his most recent gig that I know of, this was, um, from a few years ago, he was drum teching for Megadeth. Oh shit. Um, so, but he's, dude, he's put, I mean, he's like, has done us tours with like Demu Borgir, Marduk. Like, I mean, he's like play, he's, he was, he's been kind of a fill in guy yeah for a lot of bands for a long time yeah i, I could have swore i seen him on stage as like a t- tour man production manager for carcass i'm like is that tony Loreno? it may know. have very well been i mean i think so, he's always been pretty rooted in in the industry in one way shape or form hmm. see there's always a i guess another door for a lot of people just like you don't have to play your instrument just learn your shit on the road and then you, somebody yeah. else snatch it up too that's yeah, so I mean, I'm sure that's how he got that gig with Megadeth was just like, yeah, I know drums. I know how to play them. I know how to tune them. I know how to keep them fucking looking nice. Sure. I'll go make sure that fucking dude from Megadeth's drum sounds good every night. Fuck yeah. That, that would be a fucking fright, terrifying gig. I mean, I won't, I wouldn't be a drum tech right, for that. High, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how to be a drum tech. I'm just saying that just seems like intimidating as shit and that guy's really i couldn't good. be a drum tech because i'm too fucking lazy with my own gear like i don't want to take care <laughs> of anybody else's shit i'm it's hard enough taking care of my own right fucking hauling it around i get yeah. it wow yeah and plus you know i just i feel like i don't know there'd be a bit of me that would get jaded after a while of just like well man i want to be playing the fucking show right like you, you know those not, people not for you not to sound know. facetious but it's just like that's this you know, it's just that that's just what I do. And so mm. I don't think I could, yeah, I don't think I'd last very long as a tech because I'd just be like <laughs> fucking tri- like sticking my foot out and tripping the drummer so he injures his ankle so I can get up there and play his set. <laughs> yeah, Dirk's <laughs> not, uh, not really, but Dirk's pretty crazy. I, I feel yeah, that dude's I mean, fucking I, unreal. I don't want to like talk shit, but like Megadeth is not using him to his cap- capability. Fuck no. No, like, Megadeth is not worthy of that dude's presence. Uh, that's why completely I completely like. agree. Like he's made a lot of awesome albums with soil work and it's just like, oh, drums aren't yeah. the same, but anyway, um, I guess you're uh, a little short on time here. So, um, what, what we Brandon? typically do at the end is whoever we're interviewing, if they're in a band, we asked them to provide a song and we play like your latest release at the end of the episode. Oh, so, okay. Sick. With you, oh, yeah. with you being in Flesher, do you have anything recorded? Yeah. That you guys so, um, on? So we, all we have, we have this, uh, we did this demo called the murder sessions and it happened. It was like earlier this year that's up on all streaming platforms. Feel free to play, uh, anything from that. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, cool. Sorry. Sorry. Somebody, uh, somebody called in and I didn't, I thought uh, I got disconnected for a second. No, you're um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, play, there's like three songs, uh, which will be, Two of those songs got re-recorded for the record. The record is done. It's going to be coming out this early fall uh, on Redefining Darkness Records. So keep a lookout for that. Mm. Obviously, if you're in Indianapolis, I'd be not. Are you just giving me the rain to like plug some shit real quick? Yeah, like, am I cool? All right, go yeah. for it. All right, uh, I'm just used to doing this. So I'm ready to go. Uh, uh, if you're in the Indianapolis area, or if you like coming down, 
Uh, Black Circle is an amazing venue, a great place to see a show. Uh, in particular, we have a every year I do a festival called Heavy Hell. And this uh, this is the fourth year. It just keeps getting bigger and more sick every year. This year we have Mortician as our headliner. Um, Pro Fanatica is playing a really like crazy cult band from New York, like early black metal stuff. That's mm. even nuts. It's nuts that they're playing. Um, bunch of really great, more younger, up and coming underground bands are playing. That is in our. Uh, that's in the second Saturday of August, August twelfth. Uh, so there's that, but. Keep tabs on Stranger Attractions. Keep tabs on Black Circle. Uh, Flusher, got that going. I've got a new project with um, a couple of the guys from Demiricus, and that is in their very early stages, but that's something else I'll be uh, pushing at some point soon, too. So, Hell yeah. One more thing for the fat people. What's your best food item at Black Circle? <laughs> oh, uh, well, we just recently had a new uh, restaurant open up, and um they have like awesome fat people food there they uh in particular they they have a really great chicken parmesan sandwich it's like just massive and just loaded with cheese and all kinds of shit that's very good they have and then they do this uh grilled cheese there that is like just on the fucking best like texas toast it's just indulgent as fuck so uh that's a very very good item too to eat i'll I'll make sure to stop Hopefully, I stop there when we go see like the Mon and Marth Ghost show. I'll tell my friends maybe we should stop there first, but we'll see. Yeah, totally. Yeah, you definitely should. And you guys, yeah. you know, just keep in touch with me and let me know if you uh, ever want to come down for a show and maybe, you know, do like, I don't know, a little, another little interview featurette thing about the venue or something or whatever. I don't know what you podcasters do these days. So we don't know what we're doing either. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really do either. I just, God, trust me, I've been faking it my entire life. Same. No, we just started this well, cool. shit up a couple months ago. and Well, yeah, that's cool. And definitely, you know, let me know uh, when it's all said and done, and I'll, I'll certainly push it on my end. Hell yeah. I'm looking at right now. This will actually release right before your show. You were just talking about the festival you have going on. This should come, oh, out, okay. this should come out like the first week of August. Okay, sick. Yeah, we. this would be like the 33rd episode that we've recorded okay. since March. So we've been badass hammer hammering out shit hammer out well yeah and you know i mean too if you guys ever like obviously if there's like a band you see coming through and you want to try to snag an interview you can always just reach out and i'll (laughs) see what i can do to facilitate that or anybody else if you know anybody else who wants you know that would help too on a podcast yeah Yeah. there there is one thing we've started pushing because we've interviewed the guy it's called getgigs.com um it's actually going to, I think it'll be a game changer. It literally connects you with venues, promoters, bands, show trades, everything else. You could probably get black circle on there if it's not already on there. And it's, awesome. it's called get gigs.com. Get eight gigs, get gigs, G E T. And there's a hyphen. Oh, like get this. gigs. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. There's like a space like the hyphen space or whatever it's called. All right. Yeah. Somebody, gigs. somebody uh, send me that through messenger because I'll I will undoubtedly forget. I'll message it to you here in a minute. Awesome. Cool. All right. Well, yeah. Then uh, I, I think we're good. I think I talked about everything I, I needed to push on my end. Um, but thank you guys for doing this. And no I appreciate problem. you being a little flexible with the time on everything. So No. no good. Definitely Mr. appreciate you having out. Thank you, Mr. Bojangles. Hell <laughs> yes. You got it. All right. Well, yeah. Take care, guys. And I'll uh, hopefully hear from you soon. All right. All take right. it easy. Later. Later. And if you want to be on an episode of Dark Side of the Scene... 
send an email to brandon at darksideofthescene.com and we will get you scheduled. But right now we're going to roll on out. So enjoy some pleasure. Take it easy. (laughs) 